Welcome to the 17th episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we are joined by a special guest, Chris St. Amant from Netflix. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the career path of growing into an engineering manager and what it's like to be an engineering manager. Chris, can you give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? All right, my name's Chris, and I lead one of the UI engineering teams over at Netflix. And recently, I've gotten really into making cocktails, and so I'd say these days, Usually most things that are bourbon-based, so a good old Manhattan would be my go-to for happy hour. And you've made us some pretty amazing drinks on this episode. The precursor to the Manhattan, the Martinez. Yeah, they're delicious. Let's also go around the table and give brief introductions of today's episode's panelists. Uh, Derek Showers, a senior software engineer at LinkedIn. I'm Ryan Aklum. I'm a senior software engineer at Netflix. Brian Holt, and there's two people that can fire me in this room, so I'm a good little boy at Netflix. Jim Young, Senior Software Engineer at Netflix. Uh, Augustus Ewing, Front End Engineer at Evernote. And I'm Ryan Burgess, I'm a Software Engineering Manager at Netflix. In each of our episode, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Meetings. Meetings. So anytime we say the word meetings, we will all take a drink. Well, let's get started. What are some steps that led you to becoming a manager? I guess this is more for you and I, Chris. What led you to becoming a manager and now a director? They love meetings. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I actually had two different paths to becoming a manager because the first time I failed rather spectacularly. So I was in a very small company pretty early on in my career, and we'd gone through many, many rounds of layoffs in the dot-com bust, and we'd gone down to a team of about four or five engineers, and I seemed to be taking the lead on a lot of projects, and so they encouraged me to take on a management role on the team. And I did that for about a year, and really did not have a great time. Uh, it was I realized pretty quickly that it wasn't the right role for me, and it wasn't what I was really looking for or ready for in my career. And so I stepped down after about a year. Uh, I'd say I probably did an okay job, but I wasn't great at it, and I didn't have a lot of good support and mentorship. So stepped back down and got back to writing code full-time again and, and was very happy for quite a few years. The second time, I was... Uh, at Disney and was offered a role to build a new team to focus on platform level work for the UI there. And uh, at that point in time, it was many years later in my career, I had a lot more experience under my belt and I also had a really strong supporting uh, manager at that time who helped grow me and mentor me and I was in a company that had a lot of great training and growth and development opportunities. So. Uh, that time was much better and what's ultimately what led me to where I am today. Kind of sounds similar to some of my experiences. Like when I was in Toronto, I was at a couple agencies and especially the one, uh, my director there had actually started putting me becoming more of a lead and that's kind of how it started too. I was still on a lot of projects and building things, but I was helping deal with a lot more with the clients and with the like other engineers and help leading those projects. And that's actually what kind of pushed me into doing more management, but not at the time, but I, I actually enjoyed the new challenge of dealing with clients and dealing with some of the like product managers and other stakeholders that we had to deal with. So that was, that was interesting. Uh, but then went to Evernote and actually as a lead engineer, which then the director left and then they were like, great, now you can lead 
lead the team. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> At that point, I got thrown in. I don't regret being thrown in. I loved it, but I didn't have a lot of support. Uh, I think it was really hard to learn. It, I didn't know. I'm like, oh, great. I have these people I have to hire. I have these people to manage. And it was a little bit difficult at the time. And then going to Netflix, I was an actual manager and had really good support from my director. So that was very helpful, which is Chris St. Amant. <laughs> so let me just interrupt our uh, conversation here to say, what would you say are the differences between being an engineering manager and being a manager like any other kind of manager? Uh, so I'd say the the biggest thing is really just the expertise and the visibility into a range of technologies. So I think in my experience, a successful engineering manager is more than just a specialist in their area. They can reach into other areas and look across a wide range of different teams that their team is collaborating with and influence them to uh, to work effectively with their teams. And that requires knowing you know, enough to be dangerous across a bunch of other different uh, engineering skills. As an engineering manager, do you actually feel you have to be an engineer before being a, a manager or needing the technical skills? Absolutely. I've worked in places where it felt like the the leadership, and especially the, the further up you got up, up the chain, didn't have a lot of understanding of what it was like to be an engineer and and what it was like to tackle certain challenges or that you had to kind of dumb down what you were saying the further up you got the chain and the places where i've seen been much happier as an engineer is where i can really get to a certain level of depth with anyone in the engineering leadership uh, and they understand and they can empathize with what you're going through I think it also makes it easier to help manage people too. I completely agree with that you should be a technical manager if you're going to be an engineering manager but i think when you're dealing with individual contributors, you have to ask them great questions to help help them out. And if you have no idea what you're talking about, that can be problematic, I think, in the day to day. That being said, I don't think you need to be a wonderful engineer to be a manager. But uh, I'd say certainly for sucking up here, I'll say that every single engineer in our team is a far better engineer than I ever was and am today. So uh, I think surrounding yourself with engineers that have far smarter than you are is is a great way to success as well. That's why Chris and I are in the meetings. Meetings. Cheers. Meetings. Cheers. Cheers to no meetings. <laughs> Cheers. So have you have you two ever seen a successful manager who wasn't an engineer before? Is it possible? I mean, I think it depends on what you're managing. I think managing... No, no the answer is no. <laughs> I think probably that's what I'm getting at is like for, for managing other engineers, I... I have worked with someone who was new a little bit or like almost enough to be dangerous, but not really understanding some of the complications that some of the decisions he was making and how that impacted the team. In some ways, that was actually really hard for the rest of the engineers on the team. If because of some of the decisions being made, they were poorly made. It was there again. It was like he was an engineer at one point, but just not not really just like a little bit had dabbled in it. Uh, so I've seen it where it's been really poor. I do feel like you to be a good manager or an engineering manager, you have to be. But if it was just a manager, obviously, of something else that's not engineering related, yeah, you obviously don't have to be an engineer at that point or be technical. That's my thought on it. I just, historically, uh, it's actually only happened once, so I say historically, but I've, I've had a manager and they were not an engineer. And you said, actually, it was dangerous because they were just, they read something and then they're like, we need to implement this. And we're like, actually, I don't think so. Like, no, 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 trust me, I'm a manager. And we did, and it was, it was a terrible experience. But I just want to know if there 
if it's even possible. Well, I think what you said is trust, trust me, right? And I think the trust should go in the other direction, right? The, the, the leadership has to trust the engineers because when it comes down to it, as an engineer, you're making a thousand decisions on a daily basis about how you're working, how you're building something, how you're implementing something. And you have a lot more depth of context on what you're writing day to day and what the challenges are and that that trust should be really bi-directional. I think, yeah, I think sometimes in our industry, there's this misconception that in order to be a manager, you need to know more than your team and, you know, you need to be like an expert. And I think, unfortunately, I think sometimes people get promoted on that and, and get into management on that with that like idea and don't have that trust the other way around. And I think that's what, maybe there's like a little bit of a balance, not, not saying that somebody should come in that's, that's not, you know, uh, doesn't have any experience in, in, uh, as an IC, but I think that can kind of go both ways sometimes. Yeah, and I think that actually you mentioned, Ryan, about being a team lead or a tech lead. And I think that's kind of an interesting angle when you look at what makes like a successful tech lead or architect or team lead. That's not always the same thing that makes a successful manager. You know, people, a lot of people think, oh, you know, I've been leading projects and I've been kind of lead architect on these things. And so natural next step is to become a manager. And I don't think that that's always the right thing. I think it is a very different role with a very different set of responsibilities and that people, I think, fall into the trap of thinking that's the route that they have to go down uh, in order to continue advancing. And the organizations that I've seen work well, they provide a lot of other advancement opportunities for engineers to play a leadership role without actually moving into management. Yeah, more focused on actually leading like architectural decisions or higher level coding, anything like that. Leading large, complex projects, whatever it might be. I think that's pretty forward thinking, though. I feel like a lot of companies don't go that way. And so that if you want to advance, you go up to senior engineer and then you're done. Like you either stop there or you have to be a manager. No, I think that's a problem with a lot of companies is like, if you want to advance, it's like, oh, well, you can go into management, which management is a completely different thing. It's like, yeah, you're still close to the technologies and you're talking about like engineering work, but you're also now managing people. You're responsible for their career growth. You're responsible for things that go wrong with their careers or anything like that. And that's like a completely different ballgame. And you go to more meetings. You do (laughs) go to more meetings. (laughs) Cheers. I just want to say I... I Everybody is 100% right, and this this fallacy in the industry that you have to be a manager if you want to move up. Netflix is a great example of how to do it right. There's people been there 10 years. They're engineers. It doesn't make them any less. They're just like, I don't want to do that. I'm a great engineer, and they're excellent contributors. I think a lot of companies fall into the trap and exhibit this behavior where your influence and your impact is directly related to your title, and that if you have a manager, director level title, your voice when it comes to technical decisions, it carries a lot more weight. But the better way to do it is to have individual engineers or architects that can have that director or manager level influence on the direction of the technology itself. Now, that may not be the direction of the organization and how it's managed and how it works and with other teams and, and the kind of more typical management-oriented things, but you should still be able to have just as much, if not more, influence on the uh, technology direction. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point, too, is the fact is is we rely a lot on engineering decisions because you're close to the code. You're coding in that every day. And so 
you kind of have to rely on your team to really understand that. You ask the right questions and, and try and parse out those ideas, but it shouldn't be a director or manager or VP or whoever in the organization making those decisions and saying top down, like, oh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to adopt this new technology that you've never heard of, but that's we think it's a great idea. I Googled it. It sounded good. It doesn't stop us from uh, making estimates for you, though. That'll only take like two weeks, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Horror story. <laughs> Horror story. Very very quick, I'm not going to name names, but at a former company called Reddit, <laughs> I was making estimates for some project that I was building, and I was, you know, throwing out like, okay, this is going to take me three days, and the and like typing into a Google spreadsheet at the same time, and the manager was following behind me, changing my estimates to be like two or three days lower than everything that I was saying. Is like, okay, wow. why are you asking me? You obviously are just going to put this anywhere, yeah. right? And so, like, that is, like, the worst thing that a manager can do is just, like, not trust their engineers, not give them any sort of credence, just say, like, okay, let's go through the ritual of asking you questions and then fuck you, go work, you know, 60 hours to get this done. Yeah, I think the better question is, like, if I didn't trust your estimate, I'd maybe ask about it more. His name was Ryan Burgess. <laughs> I've never worked at Reddit, so it wasn't fair, me. Fair, fair, But, yeah, that'll only take two days, right? Yeah, right. Because right. <laughs> I told somebody that in a meeting the other day. Cheers. Yeah, Chris did say meetings. Nice one. We've been talking a lot about being a manager and everything. How, as engineers, how do, what do you expect from an engineering manager? Like, what are the qualifications and importance that you expect an engineering manager? Well, I think for me, since I've moved out here, my expectations have completely changed on a manager. Now I see, you know, my manager as someone who kind of comes in and helps me solve problems together with me, uh, asks me questions and helps lead my thought process. You know, previously it was just a manager was someone who's going to come in and say, this is what you need to do. This is how long you have to do it. Now go get it done. Um, so I think since I've been out here, it's completely changed and it's, it's such a better way to work. For me, I think it's, it's also, I mean, it, not just the like discussions around getting things done and projects, but also just the career development and stuff like that, that sometimes is missing with, you know, managers that are just concentrated on all the technical aspects and the estimations and the scoping and like, you know, and the, uh, the the product and the project that you're working on. So, I think it's super important to make sure that you're having those those conversations as a manager with with you know your direct reports about like where you want to go and is you know what you're doing right now the right path. And yeah, I totally agree. I feel like a, when I think of an engineering manager, it's like someone who's really paying attention to my growth as an engineer and like really helping me build that path. And I also think of someone who like kind of shields me away from all the meetings all the, I was just gonna say meetings meetings cheers but also like just all the bullshit that just comes your way that you really shouldn't really have to be dealing with I feel like like I just want to code I really just want to focus on the technical problems I don't want to have to necessarily think about all the other problems that might be probably on someone should be on someone else's plate like oh does the design for this make sense like maybe that's why we have a designer to think about those problems. Right, and you should almost rely on your manager to kind of help close that gap and so that you don't have to go around chasing someone trying to find where the design's at or who's on the project, any of that kind of stuff. Exactly, exactly. I feel like the most important thing, at least for me, I believe it or not, someone used to pay me to manage people, which is weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> those dummies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Joke's on them. The most important thing for a manager to do is, is to hire, I feel like. Like filter people in and out of your team, like let go of the people that need to be let go and bring in the people that need to be brought in. That is not an easy task, having been involved with a bunch of hiring, but I also feel like it is 
in my opinion, the most key thing that any manager can do. I think it's such an important one because you're you're really setting the tone for the culture of your team. And if you bring the wrong person in, um, if they're bringing down the team, like you have to make those hard decisions and make them quickly because you don't want them to affect the rest of the team. Bringing in the wrong person can be really bad, but bringing in the, the right person can be so great as well. Yeah, and kind of along the same lines, I think that a lot of managers tend to focus. I think even I have been a manager in the past too, and it's like you kind of focus on those people that are that are lower performers, just because they're the ones that have the larger voice and they're the ones that are going to con- continually come to you with issues. But I think it's like trying to weed that away, whether you put them onto some sort of plan and eventually, you know, get rid of them or you, you know, you just don't focus all your time on that. You focus your time on, on your higher performers. Um, I think that's easier said than done as a manager, but I think that's really important. Too. One of the things I always look at as one of the most important parts of my role is doing whatever I can to help the team be successful and be productive and effective at what they're doing. So whether that's chasing down an answer to a question and, and going to talk to some other team or going to get coffee. Uh, I remember we had a pretty challenging ruling project uh, about this time last year and working really long hours. And every day I'd go take a Phil's order and go run and go grab coffee, right? Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Whatever needs to be done to keep the team happy and productive. Nothing should ever be beneath you in, in helping keep your team happy. No, I, I think that's really well put. We are in meetings all day long. Cheers. 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 But at the same time, the most important thing for me is like the team. Like whatever the team needs, that's more important than anything on my calendar. If something happens, I need to jump on that with my team. That's an important thing for me. I think it's good. And that's easier said than done, I think, a lot of times. Totally. A lot of times it's just about like, okay, how am I going to get, as a manager, right? You're like, how am I going to get through? Like, then that's a natural tendency. How am I going to get through the day? Like, what else is going to come up today? What else is going to be thrown at me from left field? But putting yourself kind of second to all that, I think, is important but hard. Something I also like really respect of engineering managers is they also kind of have to be the motivators of the team sometimes. Like there's always like every now and then like that project that everyone's like, oh God, we have to work on that project. (laughs) And you know, they really just have to be the person's like, guys, this is like, I, I, well, I can't say I, 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 I can't say, worked on one of those I can't projects. say I've had have any strategies of motivating people <laughs> for those projects, but it's like it's really difficult. But like I've seen some people able to do it, and it's really I really respect the- coffee. Coffee helps. <laughs> I think the shield is probably the most important because what's most costly for an engineer is what context. Context, context. context. Exactly. Yeah, everybody knows that answer. Which that, that is basically the job description of a manager is to be context switching all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> but I, I've seen, and this has been a complaint of, I think, numerous companies I worked at, where the CEO or the CTO or somebody high up gets an idea, and they're like, "Jim, got this idea, drop everything," and you have to listen to them because they're the C level, you know. And the manager's like, "No, no, he's on a roll." But so many times I've seen that where just the engineer gets derailed and. Like all context is lost, everything's lost. So most important for me is that umbrella that keeps everything away and just kind of shield shield you from that bullshit that's coming down that might not be the best idea. Absolutely. There's a like a cartoon out there that like one of those developer cartoons, like web cartoons. And I wish I could find it. I couldn't find it, but the basic gist of it is like the poor manager is like the slave driver that's like cracking the whip is like all right you know let's work 70 hours this week and let's get this shit shipped on time and like the best managers are the people actually out in front pulling along with you 
Yeah, I've seen that too. Can you be successful as a manager coding? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. I know Chris and I probably have similar opinions, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it too as well, Chris. So I tried that, the first team uh, that I managed at Disney, and I was fairly unsuccessful for a couple of reasons. One, I ended up staying too close to the code and then being far too opinionated with my team about how things should be done. I can be very particular and a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to things, and uh, it kept me too in the weeds, and I was far too controlling at times of, of wanting things done a certain way because I stayed too close to it. I think the other reason I was not as successful when trying to do that was that because I was splitting my time between writing code and all the other things, I was less successful at the other things that I need to be doing to help my team. And so when you think about it, at any given day as a manager, uh, actually got some really great advice on this when I started at Netflix, is that you could look at all the things you could do on some sort of a continuum. And at one end of the spectrum is things that only you can do. And at the other end of the spectrum are things that only your team can do. And you should be focusing as much of your time and energy on the things that only you can be doing for your team uh, to help them successful and then be successful and then challenging your team to also move further up that spectrum so that they can grow and take on additional responsibilities. I like that. That's actually a really good answer. That's awesome advice. Yeah, that is really good advice. I know when I was at Evernote, especially being thrown into it, it was like I was struggling. That transition time was the hardest thing. I think that was the yeah, biggest thing. By yeah. far. So I'm an individual contributor. And then now, hey, you're managing this team. Well, one, we didn't have enough people at the time to tackle all the projects that were coming in. And so I would have to, I mean, it's either Basically get, until you backfill yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's like either I pass that off onto my team and kill them. I was the most familiar with the code. Do I just jump in and do it? Well, I did, and it was really difficult. I found my day was filled with meetings. Cheers. 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 And so I was pretty busy all day long, but then still had to ship features. And so what I found what I was doing was literally going home at night or on the weekends and doing all my coding. And so that was really difficult. Am I a good manager or am I a good engineer? I'm not good at any of them right now. I'm not focused. And so I think really focusing in, I think similar to what Chris said is like having that focus on what you're supposed to do as a manager versus what your team's supposed to do is really important. And so I think being just a manager is really important. I think it's important to understand the code base and understand what your team's working on. I'd also be interested to hear from you guys, what do you think when a manager is submitting code? Well, so I was a coding manager. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I was fairly su successful, but I also want to throw out the, that I was a kind of a specialized case. Was it a small team, large team? Small team. Yeah. Yeah. So I was employee number 29 at Reddit. So I was pretty early on. I felt like I did a really good job hiring that I could, I hired mostly people that could manage themselves. I just basically said like, okay, here are things that need to be done, go forth. And that was about the end of my managing. And so I was free to pretty much code about 90% of my time. And so I just want to throw out there that it, it is possible, particularly if you hire very well, not only hire very well, but you just have a team that is uh, self-motivating and you set the direction and, and it just happens. So I have a really strong team and still feel like it's a hard thing for me to do and juggle at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so we're in an organization of over 2000. I was in an organization of 30, right? Yeah, I think it really depends on the size of the company. Yeah. And I think it also depends on the size of the team too. Yep. 
I like, thought I thought Brian was on your team though. He, he is. is. Oh. So you're, you're calling him not very talented? <laughs> <laughs> Super talented. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I found falling into the trap of, and I think we we all do this as as engineers, where you're working with somebody else on something and they're struggling with something and you have two choices, right? You can either sit down and spend a bunch of time with them, helping them solve the problem and helping them learn whatever it is they need to learn to be able to solve that problem, or you can do it yourself. And it's far faster to choose the latter option. And when you're still, I found I fell into that trap when I was still coding as a manager of taking that that latter option because my time was so stretched thin was, okay, I can go home and knock this out in an hour, you know, or even less, or I can sit down and spend a bunch of time with somebody talking this through with them. And now that's an investment. It's the right investment to make, but uh, it comes with, you know, those trade-offs. I think that actually can be um, relate to any engineer. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just like, it's a lot quicker sometimes to just do the work, but yeah, I think you're going to get better dividends if you... Yep. So taking the long-term versus, you know, short-term view. Devil's advocate here, because we're... Like I hear it from both of you, and like we're all in the same boat. We're speaking from the context of Netflix, where everybody's a senior engineer, and you can say, "Here's a hard problem, solve it," and I just solve it because that's my job. D- don't fire us. <laughs> <laughs> but I think some manager's responsibility is some sort of mentorship towards, especially like you hire a Absolutely. fresh engineer, and we haven't really talked about that as much. What's What's your stance, thoughts on mentorship? On like if you had a junior engineer, you're saying? Yeah, that's someone you absolutely do need to sit down and say, here's how we solve problems and here's here's what I would do and like let them run with it. I think it goes back to the point that even like kind of what Chris was getting at there is that sometimes, yes, I could probably write it a lot quicker and get it done faster, but isn't it better to try and help that person? And maybe it is taking some time to actually grow that engineer. I'd rather spend the time and investment to do that rather than taking it on myself because it helps them take that ownership and also helps push them to grow. To me, like I know even when I was in that transition period, one thing that I started to do was I took all the shitty things that needed to be done whether it be like really small content updates or like all the little fly-in things that needed to be done i took those on myself yeah Yeah, like i literally took those ones on because i'd rather have someone who needed to get ramped up on the code base focus on building great features and so that's how my approach i don't know that it's uh always the managers or really often the manager's responsibility to be the mentor like i think that you know mentors are better when they're not your manager you know i think i actually there's there's a there's there needs to be career conversations that happen and that's, but I think that's a little bit different than mentorship. And I think mentorship is better when maybe it's even not even somebody that you work with on your, on the same team, you know, it's just somebody that you just, I think, I think getting an outside perspective is helpful. Yeah. When you have a mentor as a manager, you have kind of like two things going, like you're trying to, obviously there's a level of like trying to knowing that your performance review is coming up. So you're, you're going to do things, maybe have different conversations with manager, but I feel like a mentor is somebody you can be truly honest with and open with and be like, look, I have no idea what's going on here. Like, I need your help on this, whereas you might not admit that to your manager. That is a awesome segue into my next question. This one's hard. How do you manage the balance between personal relationships and business relationships? Like, should you be friends with the people you manage or should they just be, you know, you have that aloof relationship, but you're not, you're like, oh yeah, we're not gonna hang out, but you know, I understand you, I understand what's going on in your life. So Jim's asking, should you get drunk on a podcast with your people that you manage? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a horrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to totally deflect that question 
because Trump style totally <laughs> I, I want to chime in on the on the mentorship question real quick and then, then I'll come back to that the the mentorship thing I think actually goes to when you when should you transition into becoming a manager so I, I mentioned that I had this rather unsuccessful run at being a manager early on in my career and I think a lot of that was because I didn't have the maturity and the experience to be able to successfully mentor or coach is a different way of looking at it the people on my team and so i feel like you need enough of a body of experience and kind of been there done that seen a bunch of different types of teams different types of organizations different technologies different challenges worked with a range of people to be able to have that breadth of expertise to be able to uh, successfully kind of coach and, and mentor people on your team and you need a certain amount of time and maturity to be able to do that successfully. Uh, in terms of being chummy or friendly with the people on your team, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think that's totally fine. I think the only thing is you have to figure out how to sometimes compartmentalize stuff, right? Because we all have tough conversations from time to time about somebody's growth or what they need to do and, and what you're expecting out of them. And you wanna make sure that you those things don't become kind of a conflict of interest. I actually think that, I mean, this is getting off topic a little bit, but I actually think that that's unique to our industry. I, I think that, like, I've worked in, in other industries as a manager, and it's, like, very frowned upon to, to go out for drinks with. But it's, it's I don't know. I don't know if this is, a, if this is just... Well, I think it comes uh, down to caring for your people, yeah. right? Is you should actually care about them and empathize with whatever they're going through. And how do you do that if you don't actually really know them as people? Yeah, I agree. I want to say it as trust. You build that like on a personal relationship with them. And I think totally playing off what Chris said too, of the fact that, yeah, sometimes there has to be those harder conversations, but I think on building that friendship or relationship with them, you learn a lot about the person and understand them. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's something you have to balance like, because yeah, you are sometimes having to make those tough calls, but to me, there is that trust build by being close with them instead of being, hey, I'm not going to hang out with you because we can't. That's like, you know, unspoken rule. We can't do that. What advice would you give to engineers interested in moving into management? Quit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, Brian, you love meetings. Meetings. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So I think recognizing that it is a very different role, it's a very different set of skills, and it comes with... Lots totally of meetings. Different set of challenges and <laughs> lots of meetings. And so I think there's this word promotion, right? You get promoted into this role, which implies that, uh, you know, every other part of your career, typically when you get promoted, it's because you've shown that you've demonstrated a new skill set uh, or you're, you've improved in a certain area and you've gotten better at what you're already doing. But when you get promoted from an individual contributor into a manager, and I think this is true of any discipline really, you're moving into an area where you don't necessarily have those skills because you haven't done it. So you have to learn uh, on the job and be okay with making mistakes and looking like an idiot and asking dumb questions. So I'd say a couple of things I'd suggest. One is have a good peer group of other managers you can lean on. Uh, whether that's in the same company or outside that company and be vulnerable to them. Don't don't feel like you've got to always act like you know your shit and you know everything. Say like, hey, I'm struggling with this. This is hard. How did you handle this? And 
ask them for advice and ask your boss for advice and be like this is this is hard what am i doing here how do i you know what do i do and being okay with fucking up along the way and making mistakes yeah i think that's actually very good advice uh i i had similar advice is learn from others and ask the right questions and be comfortable to do that but not only other managers also your team put trust in your team and say what can i do better as a manager i you know these are some things i'm struggling with like put it out there say that you know share your vulnerabilities with your team build that trust you're in this together you're a team and even though that you're a manager i think you're in it with your team and whatever you can do to learn from your team and learn from others is really important i think the hardest thing is actually you somewhat touched on this is getting candid feedback from the people that report to you right you're you're likely going to be getting feedback and input from your boss from the other teams that you partner with but it's rare to be able to get good feedback from the people that report to you because in most companies and most cultures that's not really encouraged and in many cases it's frowned upon so we all come from you know many years of work cultures where criticizing your boss is not really cool and so i I struggle with that i don't know how you guys think about that life advice have a drunken podcast with your managers (laughs) and get real on and you get real advice (laughs) can i share a wonderful story from jim oh Uh, he's he's, he's, since he asked them some tough questions earlier jim gave me some fantastic feedback in his first two months at netflix (laughs) Uh, he knows where i'm going with this it was impressive yeah so it's 360 feedback and so you get to write whatever feedback you want for anybody in the company so two months in he wrote feedback for his boss's boss saying something to the effect of when I first met you, you came across as curt and uncaring. I think I'm mostly paraphrasing there, but I think that was, that was pretty accurate. And uh, you know, now that I've gotten to know you, I realize that's not the case, but you came across this way initially. And I was shocked initially because I was like, wow, that's awesome. Nobody's ever told me that before. And I'm really glad that I got that feedback. And wow, this guy's got some courage and that's awesome. And I want the team to do more of that. So I actually, I shared it with as many people as I could to say, this is good. This guy, no, like, like this guy is awesome. You should all be, and he's only been here two months. What about the rest of y'all? What have you been doing? LinkedIn's hiring. Oh. You mean Microsoft? What gave you the courage to do that? I, I didn't know. And I was just like, I'm going to go in guns blazing because that's what people told me I should do. Yeah. It was impressive because I remember reading it to as your manager and going, oh, you're speaking to my boss saying this. And I was like, this is great. Like, I wasn't worried. Like, I knew Chris wouldn't be upset about that. And I think being direct with your boss is important. I think there again, it builds that trust and it's really important. I wish more companies did that. So here's the thing, like what gave me, and this is a few beers in, so I can just, you know. Go for it. Slid it all out. <laughs> I'll say this. I, I respect the hell out of both of you just because it's you're very egoless. You're not afraid to say... I don't understand what a service worker is, and we're trying to get our TTI, and you're like, what is that? And, like, most people wouldn't do that. They'd be like, mm, mm-hmm, sure. mm-hmm. But, no, I saw both of you were very egoless, so I felt com- comfortable in giving you honest feedback, saying, that's not going to hurt their feelings because they want to be better, and I want to be better. Because they have no feelings. They have yeah. no feelings, no, yeah, right? unfeeling. <laughs> they cry into their $100 bills every night. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that's genuinely why I felt okay. <laughs> <laughs> work for netflix that, but that's why i felt okay giving that feedback was that i saw 
I could give you candid feedback and you're not going to get your feelings hurt. And I'm like, this guy doesn't like me. What can I do to get him to like me? It's just, no, you want, we all want to be better at what we do. I think that's fair. Like, they started out being receptive to feedback before you gave them candid feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's important as a manager too, is try and build that rapport so that you can build that trust because no one's going to give you feedback if they don't trust that. And the minute that you are given hard feedback as a manager, if you react poorly on it, you're never going to get that feedback again. On the topic of like advice that you would give to people interested in moving into management, I'm curious what you guys would give advice to as far as people that are asked to move into management because kind of like going back to what we talked about earlier is, you know, there's there's a lot of like maybe push in that, you know, oh, the next career move is to move into management and like it's hard as a it's hard as as anyone as a human being to to turn down an opportunity for you to potentially move your career into a, you know, a, a new direction. And, but I think there are some times where you maybe just aren't ready yet. So I'm just curious, like, what are some things that you might evaluate when you're given that potential opportunity? I think it comes down to really thinking about what you want to do, what you want and what is important to you and what skills you want to develop. If you feel like you, have a whole bunch of other exploring to do and new technologies you want to learn and those are the problems that you're interested in solving, then keep going down that path. Uh, I think especially you're likely to be asked to move into that role when you're more senior in your career. And so at that point, you should really be owning your career direction. I think this goes back to uh, the episode where you had on a couple of folks from our recruiting team and um, you were talking about really owning and charting your own course, especially as you become more experienced. And so I think we're all fortunate enough that we work in an industry that has a lot of demand for our skills. And you shouldn't feel like you have to move into management in order to be successful, that you can still be successful for a very long time as an individual contributor and as an engineer. And if those are the types of problems that you're still interested in solving, then then do that. If you feel like you're not motivated or not passionate about those types of problems anymore, then consider something else. But really do it based on what your curiosity and what your passion is. And uh, don't go into it if you feel like it's not something you're ready for. Actually, I'm going to amend that. I don't think you should ever go into something or avoid going into something because you don't feel like you're ready for it. I think that every step that I've made in my career, I've kind of gone, gone into it going, holy crap, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like basically diving into the deep end head first and it's sink or swim. I feel like those are the the areas where you really level up and you really challenge yourself to grow. Uh, but the transition into a management role is very different. And so I think asking questions about what the expectations are for that role, what level of support you're gonna get, what the conversation is gonna be like if you don't like that um, that direction and being able to think critically with the person you're being who's asking you that before you make that decision. Maybe it's, it's, it's like you just can't be concerned about failing, right? Because yeah. it's like it's maybe you do just need to experience it. But but then again, there's people that get into that that, that just aren't good at it. And, and, you know, like it's not necessarily a sign of you're just not a good you're – just, you're just not good enough because, you know, maybe you're just better at being a, yeah. an architect or like, you know, moving more into the technical side of it. Well, well, to build on that, um, and I, I'm also totally in the, I don't believe that every engineer, like, should, like, the natural 
thing to do is to become a manager to go to move up or something like some people just don't want to manage they don't want to go to meetings <laughs> cheers cheers <laughs> true for those that don't just want to dive in like are there any like is there any advice you can give to managers to like get their toes dipped in like what can they do to expose themselves to like manage what it's like to be a manager like should they be trying to do like tech op tech lead opportunities should they what should they be doing I think that's a really good question because i think there are opportunities to try out some of that kind of stuff some of it's really hard to learn to me that lead is a very important thing is like leading a project and maybe even it's just managing a project where you're actually not coding i think to me that's really important too is you're leading the project but not necessarily doing the work and so you're delegating and learning that as you go. The one thing that's really, really hard to get is actually the people management side of that. That's a really hard one to do is like, hey, now you have these direct reports, you're responsible for them. That's one thing that's really hard to learn as uh, if you're wanting to test the water of it for, per se. But I think if you're interested in it, ask your manager or whoever you report to is, hey, I'd like to do this and like lead a project and see how that goes. It depends on which aspect of management you're interested in, in learning. So there's the recruiting and team development aspect. There's leading complex projects. There's kind of staying out ahead of your team. So looking at the next 6, 12, 18 months of what your team needs to be successful in. And so there's a some of those you're unlikely to get be able to get that experience until you're in that role. But you can participate in hiring. So you can help find people for your team. You can help uh, interview people for your team and ask your boss candid questions about why they chose to hire or not hire somebody that you interviewed and understand their thought process and how they think about evaluating that. You can take the lead on complex projects. You can do your own thought exercise of, hey, as a team, what are we doing right now? Or do we think we need to be doing that's going to set us up for success in the next year, the next two years, and suggest those ideas and bounce those off people on your team and make them happen? Some advice maybe that I would throw out for people thinking about moving into management is that we as engineers are used to like very hard logic, that we write a, a line of instructions and it works the way exactly that we told the computer to work it. And when you move into management, you start dealing with humans, and humans are squishy. You give an instruction to a human, and then... Their callback to you, to put it in JavaScript, <laughs> is not necessarily going to give you the answer that you anticipate, right? It could be better, it could be worse, but it's, it's a very squishy answer. And so if you are okay and willing to deal with that margin of error, then management can be okay, and it can be great. And if you are particularly um, good at inspiring those to give you better callbacks, then, then go for it. I think you mean promises. No, uh, well, uh, I observe the, the people that I work for. <laughs> that pretty much wraps up everything for today's episode. But before we end the episode, let's go through today's episode's picks. Derek, what do you have? Uh, so the first one I have is a Reddit article, or well, what do we call Reddit? Yeah, it's only a week old, but it's it's called "Being a Manager is Hard." And uh, so I think it goes really well with this well. with this talk. And it's basically it's hypothetical on like what you deal with on a like a one day as a manager but um it's it's interesting read it's like a quick five ten minute read 
And then the other thing that I found this week is uh, it's called the state of JavaScript. It's not to be confused with the original article that we started on. It's uh, but it's a really cool uh, project that a bunch of people kind of got together to get some data together as far as like what are the most popular frameworks. But it also goes down to, like CSS tools and uh, CI tools and stuff like that. So it's some interesting data viz, and um, they go through like all different kinds of stuff, uh, testing frameworks, all that kind of stuff, and um, and then like do some analysis on the data that they found. So highly recommend checking it out. Make JavaScript great again. <laughs> Ryan, what do you have for us? So my first pick is the Samsung SmartThings Hub. I thought you were going to say the Samsung phone that explodes. <laughs> no, so I just bought a house and uh, home automation has been uh, something I've been really interested in lately. So this, the SmartThing Hub is, is pretty nice. It works with a lot of different protocols that are out there. And it lets me get a notification when my dryer's done, when my washer's done. Uh, so it's pretty neat. That's badass. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and my second one is the album Skin by Flume. Uh, it's just some, some pretty good coding music to put on in the background and kind of zone out to and write some code. Great. Brian, what do you have? Uh, my first pick is Bottle Logic Brewery. Uh, we're currently drinking Recursion IPA, and we're about to open Logarithms Lager. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty badass. Thanks, awesome. Anaheim. <laughs> Uh, my second pick is is meetings. I love meetings. <laughs> Jim, what do you have? I've got a few picks because uh, I don't know. On a roll today. First pick, infinite jukebox. This one is so cool. I call it a thank you, Augustus. I call it kind of like a DJ in software because it it automatically finds the same rhythm and pattern in music and it'll automatically loop it for you at certain at random intervals. So it's just. The best example is in uh, The Get Down, that show that I feel strongly about on Netflix. Feel strongly negative? Negatively. I didn't want to say negatively, but uh, yeah, but the part where he's learning how to DJ and it's like hours, like this montage and he's sweating, this software will do that for him in like a minute. So he doesn't have to sweat over it. He doesn't have to sweat over it, you know? But but that was also years and years ago. They didn't have the technology. He should have learned some jobs. Crayons and vinyl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he used crayons and vinyl. Uh, second pick, and this one I'm a little embarrassed, but Ryan Anklum's here with me, so it's okay. The XOXO soundtrack, uh, it is pretty good. The movie is, well, I have a lot of thoughts on the movie, but that's not for this podcast. But the movie's not great, but it's, the soundtrack's pretty good. It's not terrible. It's not terrible either. It's it's not terrible, but it's not good either. XOXO, yeah, it's like a, it's an okay movie. It's not amazing. It's not horrible. Yeah. Third pick, um, TC39, I had the opportunity to sit in for an hour because TC39 was meeting at at, uh, Netflix, and I sat in for an hour on a TC39 meeting. Wow. I learned so much about JavaScript in just that hour. Just the thought that goes into designing JavaScript and the next features is mind-boggling. It's not just, oh, you know, I think this would work. It's just, it's a lot of arguments, a lot of heated, heated words, but in the end, I see why JavaScript is where it is today, and it's just... Fantastic. And my last and final pick is Ryan Burgess speaking at Full Stack Fest in Toronto in a week. I have heard his talk and it is really good. It's all about migrating a large code base to React and a lot of people are going through this. So I highly recommend if you haven't bought your six yet, do it. Uh, We'll be there. And Ryan Burgess has told me he will buy a bottle of Dom Perignon for every person to mention this episode. That's very generous of you to use that Netflix money. That's true. Very true. He signed a contract. He did. Damn. (laughs) And I'm done. 
Augustus, what do you have for us? Sure, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do want to say the Infinite Jukebox is awesome, and shout out to the hackathon. I think it was MIT Hacks who, yeah. that did it. It's awesome. But yeah, my picks, uh, it's also, one of them is a Reddit post. But, uh, yeah, this is a Reddit post on um, subreddit programming. Uh, it's just a bunch of free O'Reilly books, and uh, he just went out of his way to list all the links, and then this guy I'll put wgets for all of them, so you can just grab them all and just put it in your terminal and it just downloads them all. So, and there's some really good managing books in there too, like how to architect and um, a large code base and stuff. And then the other pick I have is Notofont by Google. Um, it's a font that they created that is actually works for all languages, supposedly, or a, a, cr a crap ton of languages. So, really cool. Cool, Chris. What do you have for us? My first pick is an article called Radical Candor, The Surprising Secret to Being a Good Boss. Uh, it's from this woman, Kim Scott, who worked at Google and at Apple and has some really great advice for how to give direct candid feedback while still uh, caring about people and being empathetic to how they might receive that feedback. So that's my first pick. Really great read for anyone, uh, whether you're a manager or not. My second pick is a band called Soons, S-U-U-N-S. They're one of my favorite new discoveries this year. Was fortunate to see them play live back in June. They're a Montreal-based band and they are fantastic. So highly recommend checking them out. My first pick is a documentary called I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. It's a documentary about the life of a DJ in LA uh, named Steve Aoki. It's all about his drive and how he pushes himself to be better and better. Uh, I thought it was even interesting at one point he did 300 shows in one year, which is just crazy. I recommend checking it out. Yeah, hashtag only on Netflix. Oh, I was going to say, is it on Hulu? And or my second pick is a book called The Advantage. The book is about improving organizational health. I think it's really well aligned with today's episode, speaking of from a manager perspective, does give you a lot of insights into how to help lead your team and help build a better organization. So definitely doesn't have to be for a manager reading it, but I highly recommend anyone to check it out. Chris, thank you for joining us on the episode. Where can people get in touch with you? You can always hit me up on Twitter at C Saint Amant. Uh, we'll post that in the notes and I look forward to hearing from y'all. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. You can find us on Twitter at FrontendHH. Make sure to rate us on iTunes and Google Play. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Does anyone have anything else to add? Hashtag meetings. Cheers. Cheers.